0: listening to the teach from home podcast the podcast that equips educates and encourages brand new homeschoolers my name is beth pavlik i'm a homeschooling mom to four kids i'm the owner of the youtube channel teach from home and the website bethpavlik.com where you can find all kinds of great resources including my online course for new homeschoolers welcome and let's get started Hello, welcome everyone to episode 12 of the Teach From Home podcast. It is a sunny kind of chilly day. Um, It's a Saturday on the day that I'm recording this um, and fall is in the air. It is chilly. I have worn sweatshirts the last couple of days. I just don't want to admit That fall is coming, but it is. So I hope that wherever you are in the world, you are enjoying the day and the weather and uh, anything that you're doing with your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today. We are talking about chapter four of Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook. And the title of this chapter is Sustained Silent Reading and Reading for Pleasure. Now, I don't know how many of you had some type of silent reading time when you were in elementary school. Um, sometimes they called it dare, which was DEAR, drop everything and read. Um, sometimes they called it dirt, which I never did, but it mentions it in this book. That stood for daily individual reading time. There was SSR, which was just sustained silent reading, or there was squirt, sustained quiet, uninterrupted reading time so whatever your school called it if you remember that like mostly it was an elementary school where they might have turned out the lights in your classroom and everybody got to choose whatever book they wanted to do and they got to sit anywhere that they wanted to they didn't have to sit at their desks i remember like going to sit in the corner um, on a beanbag chair and reading my book and it was I actually really enjoyed that time during my school experience um, because I just loved to read when I was a kid. And so that time where I got to like pick any book that I wanted, And I got to sit and read it for a really long time and it was just uninterrupted and it was quiet and the lights were off and it was just peaceful. I so enjoyed that time of my school experience. And the reason that they have a chapter about it in this book is because they talked about the National Reading Panel Um, trying to do away with sustained silent reading they were saying that it actually doesn't do any good for the kids because if you're not trying to instruct them during that time to read then like what is the benefit um So they did some studies on it, and they were trying to say that, no, it's not beneficial. We don't need to do it in class time. It's a waste of class time when they could just be doing it on their own time outside of the classroom. And um, so I just wanted to read this one section um, about those studies. It says, in 2002, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development which for decades has helped its 34-member governments monitor school achievement worldwide, issued a report in which it examined the reading literacy of 250,000 15-year-olds in 32 countries. In every country, those who read the most read the best, regardless of income level. A decade earlier, a similar study by the International Association for the Evaluation of Educational Achievement compared the reading skills of 210,000 students from 32 different countries. It found the highest scores, regardless of income level, among children who, number one, were read to by their teachers daily, and number two, read the most pages for pleasure daily. Moreover, the frequency of SSR, or sustained silent reading, had a marked impact on scores. Children who had it daily scored much higher than those who had it only once a week. The National Assessment of Educational Progress assessment found an identical pattern for the nearly 35 years the NAEP has been testing hundreds of thousands of U.S. students. Other studies have reported that middle school students in classrooms where time was provided for SSR showed reading gains up to 3.9 grade levels after a year's participation. Vocabulary scores also improved up to 24 points. The evidence for reading aloud to children and having time set aside for SSR is overwhelming. Yet most children are neither read to nor experience opportunities to read on their own in the course of a school day. So, you know, of course, this book, it doesn't focus on what we're doing as homeschooling parents. But as homeschooling parents, you have the entire day with your kids. And of course, they're going to be learning other things and, and, and participating in co-ops or activities or being outside and playing or anything like that. But you have so much opportunity to set aside time for your kids to read whatever they want for however long they want, and you have the opportunity to read aloud to them. And the evidence is clear that it is so beneficial for not testing scores, because I don't care anything about those things, but I do care about the, the vocabulary that they're gaining and their, um, the improvement that they can have on their reading ability because they are practicing reading and being read to so much. So the next section says, when does SSR become effective? And I underlined, by the third grade, time spent reading independently can be the student's most important vocabulary builder, more so than basal textbooks or even daily oral language. The Commission on Reading noted, Basal readers and textbooks do not offer the same richness of vocabulary, sentence structure, or literary form as do trade books. A diet consisting only of basal stories probably will not prepare children well to deal with real literature. The next section says, how can I ensure that SSR is successful? I'm sure that a lot of parents might be thinking, but if I just let them go off and read books to themselves, how do I know that they're learning? And how do I know that they're pronouncing everything right? And how do I know that they're comprehending everything? Like, don't I have to be teaching them to make them learn something? Well, here are suggestions from this book that say, uh, suggestions to improve SSR, including Student self-selection of books. Teachers and librarians, or we're going to say parents, should guide students to choose texts that are of interest to them. And they will be successful in reading independently. The next thing it says is student engagement and time on task during silent reading. This means practicing reading, not talking with peers or participating in other classroom activities. And at home, you know, if we want our kids to read independently, they could go into their bedroom and shut the door. Um, they could go into another room of the house. They could go outside and read on the porch, anywhere that they cannot be distracted by their siblings or parents. Um, my kids have never really had a problem with um, sitting around in the same room as other people and reading their books, if it's something that they have chosen on their own and they're really interested in reading it. The third um, suggestion that they have is accountability of what has been read, which may help build reading stamina and proficiency. That doesn't mean the child should be given a list of questions. They should have an opportunity to turn and talk briefly to another student about their reading. And I know that with my older boys that are 12 and 10 right now, um, I don't I they choose their own books at the library um, and they will usually go off and read it on their own or they'll sit in the living room and read it. And I don't ask them questions or quiz them um, to make sure that they are, you know, learning anything from the books that they are reading, because most of the time it's just for pleasure. And that's what I let them do. Um but they, they will come up to me, and they will tell me about the books that they are reading without me prompting them to. Um, recently, my 12-year-old has started reading the Spy School series, and that was a recommendation from one of his best friends. He had read that series, and he told my son about it, and then we found them at the library. And one day this last week, my 12-year-old sat in the chair in the living room, with everyone just running around around him and being crazy. And he read almost the entire book in one sitting. And it's a thick book. I mean, it has to be at least 300 pages. But he was immersed in it. He was fascinated. He was captivated by that book. He wanted to know what happened. It kept his attention, because he cared about it. And afterwards, he was telling me all about it, because he was interested and wanted to share what he had read about and what it was like. And so I asked him more questions about it, you know, and, and he talked with me about it. So he knows that I'm not going to, you know, make sure that he's reading everything properly or pronouncing all the words the correct way, or he knows all the definitions of all of the words in that book. I just want him to read for the fun of it. And the more that he practices that, the more that all of my kids practice reading, the better they're going to be. And they're going to build their vocabulary organically because they are reading lots of different books with lots of different words in them. And it's rich text, not like the basal readers that they make you read in school. The next section says, how can we determine if readers have actually read the book? And that's fair, right? If they are just choosing to read them on their own, and especially if they're like hiding up in their bedrooms while they're reading it, how can we ensure that they're actually reading them, right? Well, this part of the book says free voluntary reading or FVR as reading because you want to. For school-age children, FVR means no book report, no questions at the end of the chapter, and no looking up every vocabulary word. Our goal is to create lifelong readers. Give kids an opportunity to explore topics, authors, genres, and formats they deem as worthy of their time. I feel like if you take nothing else from this podcast episode... It is this exact quote right here. Our goal is to create lifelong readers. So if they don't know how to pronounce every word right away, that's okay if they don't read a wide variety of books right now and they just they pick this one genre for instance my boys both like graphic novels they have read all of the big nate books um one of them really likes calvin and hobbes um they are into the spy school books but they've also read uh harry potter with their dad and they've read the percy jackson books and they've read um oh there's this other series that are talking about um greek gods and uh, mythical creatures and everything like that I can't remember the name of it right now but so they have listened to those on audio or listened to their dad read it to them um they're what we we want is for them to see that reading is enjoyable and there it opens up all of these worlds to you and you should want to do it for the rest of your life and that's not something that you can force your children to want to do all you can do as parents is put good books in front of them and let them find books that they will enjoy from the library. And that's why I always say, go to the library with your kids and let them pick out their own books. Um, They're not gonna know what they enjoy until they go try it. So you can't be pushy about what they read and when they read it and and don't try to quiz them at the end and don't make them write a book report at the end because we as adults do not want to read And have to write a book report about it afterwards. I know I don't. I love to read books. But if I was quizzed at the end of all of them, I would not want to do it. I just want to read because of how it makes me feel. And how I walk around in other people's shoes and live other lives. Because I read different books for the pleasure of it. So anyway, the next section says, what about summer reading programs? So this is what it says about summer reading programs. Because, you know, I'm sure that a lot of you, if you have had your kids in school before, you didn't want the summer slide and you you wanted them to, to keep up reading. And so there's all these, you know, reward charts and and prizes at the end and everything for those summer reading programs. So here's what it says. Many factors cause the loss, you know, like reading gaps and stuff like that over the summer. The affluent child's summer Includes a family of readers in a home that is digitally and print rich, with books, magazines, and newspapers. Visits to the bookstore or library assist in locating new and interesting reading material. Children from higher socioeconomic families might embark on a family vacation or summer camp out of town in which people, places, and experiences extend background knowledge and offer new vocabulary. There is a high probability that educational and informational TV and radio are seen and heard. Conversely, the lower SES child summer includes a home without books, magazines, or newspapers, and lacking adults who read avidly. Transportation is limited to visit bookstores, a local library, or even to leave the neighborhood. Children seldom encounter new people, experiences, or vocabulary, which would provide growth in background knowledge. The likelihood that educational and informational TV or radio will be seen or heard is minimal. So it's talking about what you need to do over the summer is make sure that you are visiting the library. Make sure that you are going places with your kids. Make sure that you're visiting museums. Make sure that you're um, taking them lots of places that they can learn from. That's how you can get your kids to not have that summer slide. Reading four to six books during the summer was enough to alleviate summer loss. So it doesn't have to be that they read every single day or that they read 20 books over the summer. Like, don't try to, you know, have these astronomical, you know, aspirations for your kids. Just four to six books, you know. And especially if they are long books um, or big, thick novels that your kids are reading, just four to six is enough. All right. The next section is, it asks, is reading independently on the decline? And here's what it says. Why do people read? They may enjoy reading anything that allows them to escape into a story. Others find satisfaction in gathering information. Some expect pleasure from the grades or diplomas they'll earn. They also might perceive that there will be more respect with peers book club members, or a boss or teacher. There exists oodles of challenges or difficulties confronting us while reading. Distractions are a major problem for some. TV, cell phone, video games, emails, social media, the computer, or just the chaos in the home or school. For others, there's a lack of print. No newspapers, magazines, or books to read. Perhaps people have a lack of time because they're working too many hours, raising kids, or attending school or social activities. For some, learning disabilities may impede their reading ability. A negative attitude about reading by family or peers may also influence the desire for pleasure reading. All these factors are going to determine how often an individual reads remove distractions and allocate time in the day and you will see a higher frequency of reading and the higher that number is for students the higher will be their chances of success in school those who read the most read the best and I can't tell you how much how much truth is in that. There are so many distractions in our world. Just in my world, I have my kids to raise. I have a business that I'm growing. I am I I have a husband to spend time with as well. I have household duties. There are groceries to buy. There are is uh, yard work to do. There are errands to run. There are activities to go to outside of the home. But you have to leave time in your schedule to read. And that's something that I definitely don't do during the day. Um, The only time that I really spend on reading for myself for pleasure is at night after my kids are in bed. And I will sit and I will read in bed until I fall asleep. Um, Because I feel like reading during the day is a luxury and that I shouldn't spend much time on that because there's so many other things that I could be doing. And that's not that's not what I should be doing. Um, But I do make sure that my kids read during the day and I read to them during the day. Um, But I really should be working more on showing them that I enjoy reading during the day. Uh, And every time they sit me, they see me, I will try to sit out on the porch or sit out on our back patio to read for pleasure for myself. Um, Or I'll be reading books like this to uh, be able to share them with you all. And my youngest will come out, she's four, and she will say, Hey, you're sitting out here, I see you sitting out here uh, doing nothing. Uh, how about you push me on the swing? <laughs> or I'll be sitting on the front porch and my four-year-old will come out and she'll be like, "Ooh, watch me ride this bike on the on the sidewalk in front of you. It's like she sees me reading, but does not see it as something that I'm like working hard on. And so it can be really difficult to make time to read during the day for me. So I totally understand. Um, The next section says, will requiring children to read eventually turn them off? And here are some, uh, some things that we need to remember. Make sure that you, the adult role model, are seen reading daily. It works even better if you read at the same time as your child. Recognize that for young children, looking at the pictures in books and turning pages qualifies as reading. Knowing how to hold a book, understanding that text goes from left to right, and learning to love stories are all early literacy skills. Allow children to choose the books they wish to read independently, even if they don't meet your high standards. Set some time parameters, short at first and then longer as children get older and read more. Accept newspapers, magazines, and comic books as materials that count toward reading time. The self-selection, self-interest factor is important here let children read what interests them so even if you want to be like oh i don't want my kid to read that graphic novel again oh they read that so many times i want them to branch out i want them to read you know charles dickens or i want them to read you know shakespeare or i want them to read you know war and peace no whatever interests them that they choose to read let them do it don't, don't try to dictate what they are reading. I would not want somebody to dictate what I read for pleasure, and I'm not going to do that to my kids as well. All right, the next section says, do computerized reading incentive programs encourage reading? So I remember when I was a student teacher, this was 13 years ago, um, they had the uh, those accelerated reader programs on the computers in the classroom. And so the kids had to pick a story from that, And then they had to answer these comprehension questions at the end. And then they would get certain points for those. And the incentives in the classroom was the teacher would have a party for everybody that completed those programs or got a certain amount of points at a certain amount of time. I remember that happening. Um, And so this is what it says about those programs. Renaissance Learning's Accelerated Reader and Scholastic's Reading Counts. The two industry leaders work this way. The classroom or school library contains a core collection of popular and traditional children's books, each rated by difficulty. The harder and thicker the book, the more points it has. Accompanying the books is a computer program that poses questions after the student has read each book. Passing the computer quiz earns points for the reader, which can be redeemed for prizes like school t-shirts, pizza parties, or items donated by local businesses. So, here is a scenario that has been painted by more than a few irate librarians, school and public, in affluent districts that are using the computerized programs. The parent comes into the library looking desperately for a, quote, seven-point book. What kind of book does your son like to read? Asks the librarian. The parent replies impatiently, Doesn't matter. He needs seven more points to make his quota for the marking period, which ends this week. Give me anything worth seven points. Recently, I read a post on social media from a grandmother who was concerned about her grandson in second grade. He had access to many books at home and selected those he was successful in reading independently. Unfortunately, he did not meet his Accelerated Reader yearly point goal at school. The class was going to have an all-day celebration for the kids who did reach their goal, and those who didn't would spend the day in another room, reading. In the grandmother's view, this was punishment and certainly wasn't going to motivate her grandson to read. Another insight about the Accelerated Reader program comes from an award-winning children's book author, During a recent school visit, she was curious what the accelerated reader test questions were on her popular book. When she attempted to take the computerized test to determine how well she comprehended the story, she failed miserably. This is the children's book author, you guys, and she failed the test. What does that say about the type of questions being asked about the books? Structured questions also eliminate the possibility for kids to make personal connections to stories. The reward for reading should be intrinsic, rather than relying on a pencil, pizza, or party to be the reward. On the other hand, reading score, high reading scores had, have been achieved in communities with first-rated school and classroom libraries. In these environments, teachers motivate children by reading aloud to them. Librarians give book talks, and independent reading time is an essential part of the daily curriculum. So I just want to say that as far as the um, reading programs that um, my library puts on, um, I do not do the. There's like this book it program through Pizza Hut, which if your kids read a certain amount of books, then they get to have free pizza at Pizza Hut. I do not do that with my children um, because then what their goal is, is to just fill out their chart so they can get pizza, not to actually read the books that they enjoy. So what I do is our read, our library um, does have a reading challenge that they put on and I signed my kids up for it but we just read naturally throughout the day and I know that they read for 20 minutes every day either I'm reading to them or they're reading to themselves and that absolutely amounts to longer than 20 minutes and so we fill in the circles and I just took my kids to the library this past week to get their free books because they they absolutely filled in the chart for that amount of time and it's not getting pizza it's getting a book and so um they all got to pick out their own books and I loved that and so um my four-year-old picked out a book about Encanto that movie that she loves so much and then um My seven-year-old picked out a book about Paw Patrol because she loves Paw Patrol. My 10-year-old picked out a big Nate book to have of his own, even though he's read all of them multiple times. And then my 12-year-old got a free copy of Spy School. So that was all so rewarding. And like I said, I don't make reading aloud every day a chore for my kids we just read those books because we want to. So in our in our everyday life with reading, um, we read bu- um, books about history and I'm reading them books through our five in a row curriculum and then I'm just reading books to my kids that they have picked out themselves at the library. Um, and then I also pick out books from the library um, about different topics that I think that they are interested in and I read those aloud to them. So they are getting so much reading themselves and also being read aloud to every single day and that's just a part of our lifestyle Um, the next section says are there any other issues associated with these computerized programs here are some serious negatives to guard against number one some teachers and librarians stop reading children's and young adult books because the computer will ask the questions instead number two class discussions of books decreases because that would give away test answers, and all that matters is the electronic score. Number two, number three, students narrow their book selection to only those included in the program to get points. Number four, in areas where the points are part of the grade or classroom competition, some students attempt books far beyond their level and end up frustrated. When we begin testing comprehension of real books that have been assigned to reading level, we are leveling or labeling children and their ability to read, which limits access to books they might enjoy. I'm not sure how this creates independent reading, much less lifelong learners. So in the end, what I have to say about all of this is that trying to choose books based on any kind of levels in from the classroom um, is not the way to go make it simple take your kids to the library and let them pick out any book that looks interesting to get to them whether it's a picture book that is way below your child's reading ability or if it's a book that is way above their reading ability, but it looks interesting to them, we want to create lifelong readers. And the only way to do that is to let them choose their own books. And quizzing them afterwards is not going to make them better readers, and it's not going to make them enjoy reading anymore. So don't quiz them afterwards, and don't ask them if they read a certain book or if they didn't. Sometimes kids are going to go through spells where they are reading a ton and then other times they may get books from the library but then not pick them up until the last minute um, because they're doing other things and so we don't want to be these, we are not school teachers to our kids in our homeschool. We are their parents and if we are going to help them to love reading, we can first model it in front of them that we enjoy reading ourselves and also not make reading a school requirement we we want to just show them that reading is is excellent for learning new things for enjoying good stories and for having experiences that we would never have in our own lives um It's just reading is the best that's all i want to say so i hope that this episode was um eye-opening to you um, especially if you have pulled your kids out of traditional school and they were a part of those reading programs and they did have to read certain books to gain certain points and and they had to uh, pass all those reading comprehension quizzes at school can i just encourage you to get away from all of that um Because the truth is that they will have a much better relationship with books um, if they are not tested and quizzed on them constantly. And they just read it for reading it. Um, And just go visit your library. Get your kid a library card. Um, Let them know that um, you're not going to tell them what to read and how long to read it and when to read it and where to read it. Um, You just want them to enjoy books. Um, So I hope that that encourages you. And I hope that you will um, go and implement those things in your homeschool this week and beyond. Um, I'm so excited to read the next chapter with you. So until then... Um, go have fun with your children and make memories. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. Don't forget to rate the podcast and share it with anyone you think might find it helpful. I would love for you to leave a review so that others can find this brand new podcast for new homeschoolers. If you're just getting started with homeschooling, I would love to help you out. You can email me or sign up for my online course through my website. I can't wait to connect with you.